Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Day weekend, hundreds of thousands gathering in central Indiana. Simon Pagano sweeps him up the bay, and that's his fate in my back. We did it! <laughs> Adam Cicerillo holds on to win. Eli Tomac has won again. The winner of the Freedom 100 is Oliver Askew. Seven one-thousandths of a second. Tyler Reddick fended off all challengers. He led the most laps, and he's going to win. And chalk that up for win number two of the year. For the second time. Martin Truex Jr. wins the Coca-Cola 600. Unreal job, man. Unreal job. You're the man. This is the show you've been waiting for. Welcome to the Motorsports Hour. After a weekend like that, there's more to come this weekend and a ton of racing series. Parker was in Charlotte. AJ was at Indy. So what single thing impressed you or stood out the most to you uh, from your event? Besides the racing, the crowds. Friday at Carb Day, I mean, it was packed. You had to get there at 7 a.m., uh, and then Sunday, you just look in the grandstands, in the infield, the snake pit. Uh, it's Indy's a huge race, obviously, but over the last couple of years, the crowds that have shown up for that race. When I raced it in 2013, I was look at that. more focused on driving, but it just seems like every year the crowds are growing. And yeah, that was. Uh, and if you look really closely, AJ's the one right, right, right there, there. And that's what he was yeah. focused on on yep. Friday. Uh, this weekend, I can tell you that the Coca-Cola 6,000, I'm sorry, I mean, uh, well, it was a five and a half hour race. It was just long. It was a long, long race, but it was a crazy race, and the driver and team who won it, I don't know how they did that because they hit the wall and mm-hmm. still came back to have the fastest car and win the race. So it was an incredible weekend. We had the moment of silence midway through the race, which was a powerful moment. Um, and overall, I thought even there, the crowd was great this weekend. So it was a it was a good weekend for in terms of a, a exciting race yeah, at Coca-Cola 600, even though it was five some odd Well, the, the wins, <laughs> the victories definitely go to the race fans this weekend yes. for sure. As usual, each Thursday, we do have our poll for the Motorsports Star of the Week. This week's nominees are... That was my, that was kind of a drum roll. I don't know what that was. Simon Pagano, of course, who completed his sweep of the month of May at Indianapolis by winning the Indy 500. You have Martin Truex Jr., two-time winner of NASCAR's longest race. Lewis Hamilton, he scored an emotional win for Mercedes in the Monaco Grand Prix, fitting tribute for their late chairman, Nicky Lauda. And Eli Tomac captured his first victory of the pro motocross season last week in Southern California. So just head over to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote, and we're going to have the final results later on and here is a little cheat you can vote more than once oh i didn't know this i didn't know this either you can vote more than once if you keep hitting the refresh button well just saying i didn't know we were right now martin is running away with it but now that you said that oh now it's back this way never mind 
I don't want, so I was going to ask you if you have a favorite, but I don't want to sway the vote too much. So maybe we'll talk a little later. Okay. Yeah, let's, get yeah. Your, let's, let's do see. that. Yeah, yeah, get your votes in I don't now. I want to sway the viewers. Yeah. And we've already given you Corrupt a whole way to, to continue. So let's begin today with NASCAR. Drivers like these two will tell you that getting through the Coca-Cola 600 sort of marks an unofficial turning point mentally. I mean, maybe it's the calendar. You've got the kids out of school. Maybe it's the fact you can now wear white. A little oh, fashion tip, Memorial yeah. Day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe That's it's because it, it really is halfway through the regular season. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny day in Dover, Delaware. Truex is on the brown. He's gotten around Harvick. He's pulled away by five car lengths, and Truex goes to the lead. Martin Truex Jr. with a statement win this afternoon here in Dover. Green flag goes in the air, and Brad is long gone. Great restart for Keselowski. He leaves Eric Jones at the altar. The battle will be for second. Saving the very best for the very last. Off board, final time. Brad Keselowski, career win number 30, comes here tonight. Man. Uh, and happy Mother's Day. Under the lights on a Saturday night, it does not get any better than this. Off turn number four, Kyle Larson. We'll see the checkered flag. And Kyle Larson is an all-star in Charlotte tonight. Oh, yeah, good job. For the second time in his career, Martin Truex Jr. wins the Coca-Cola 600. Unreal job, man. Unreal job. You're the man. Now that you're up to speed with May in the rearview mirror, here is the playoff picture in the Cup Series. Six drivers have virtually guaranteed a playoff berth with a win. Meanwhile, Kyle Larson is the one on the bubble in 16th. There are several big names just ahead and just behind him. Again, lots of racing still to go. But looking at those names in yellow, the winners at this point in the season, Parker, is there a new top dog at Joe Gibbs Racing between, I guess, Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr.? Well, the momentum's shifted a little bit. I mean, as we said, uh, we were talking about earlier today, with basically Kyle Busch sort of had everyone covered to start the season. You know, it seemed like the 18 was going to be kind of steamrolling everyone, and then they sort of the, – the 19 showed up, and I think they found their comfort level there at Joe Gibbs Racing, and Cole Pern and him have an amazing working relationship together, and now it's sort of shifted. And I think that win this past weekend, though, was just an incredible win because – they had to basically come back from smashing the right side of that race car, which the day earlier, Clint Boyer said on the broadcast when all the Xfinity cars were hitting the wall, that if you hit the wall in the cup car, you're done, right? You're done for the day. Well, the 19 not only smashes the wall down, but then comes back to dominate the end of the race and just have the fastest car. So that was an incredibly impressive win. And I just think that that is a very small microcosm of what him and Cole Pern can do so well. And they work, since they work so well together, they don't lose their temper either way. They're able to really buckle down and find a way to get performances out of there. Meanwhile, the 18 this past weekend resigned mid-race. Um, apparently, he told Joe Gibbs he resigns. So... I'd say that's not a mark of keeping your cool under pressure a little bit. So I think the 18, you know, if they're going to go out there and be, beat that 19, they've got to find a little bit more. Are you in the uh, 18 car this weekend at Pocono? No, I think it was a joke. Made- what it turned oh, out to okay. be. Yeah, no, right. it wasn't right. real. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 they didn't call me. So is there a Kyle versus Martin sort of debate going on? Or, or do you need that? I mean, are they both just going to, I guess, elevate each other? Well, that's what you hope in the organization. That's what Joe Gibbs hopes, mm-hmm. is that you do elevate each other. But really, the 18 team and Kyle Busch, they haven't really had a a teammate over the last several years to really push the organization. It's always been Kyle Busch and the rest of the cars because they're so talented, and he, as a race car driver, is so talented. But Martin Truex Jr., it seems like it took them a while at first to get their their footing kind of at 
Joe Gibbs between him and Cole Pernan, the group of guys that came over from the 78. But over these last six weeks, they're on fire. And you kind of see it almost as a competitor, like, uh-oh, is this happening again? Because <laughs> this is what happened when that car number said 78. So uh, a new top dog, I would say not quite yet, but there's definitely uh, in the organization that 18 and 19 – they're going to keep pushing each other, and it's going to be interesting over these summer months to see, okay, who really steps out to be the better team and better driver. All right, something to watch for sure. Um, I kind of mentioned that for you guys, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's sort of this sort of mental shift or an unofficial sort of mark when the Coca-Cola 600 takes place. Yes, we are halfway through the season, but what happens, I guess, for you guys in your minds as June rolls around? Yeah, I always looked at, once you get through the Coca-Cola 600, you've been to every type of racetrack that you're really going to go to and, and as the playoffs start, know, okay, this is what our race cars are at. With this new aero package, every team's had to learn. So it's been kind of a different flow each weekend. Okay, how do we get better? But once you hit the summer months, you think, all right, we already know where we're at. But what makes it interesting is the fact that, as we see here on the schedule, we're going to racetracks that are still unique compared to anything that's on the circuit. You look at Pocono, there's nothing like it. You go to Michigan, with this two-mile racetrack, this aero package, is it going to turn into a Daytona or Talladega? Yeah. Are we going to see two, three wide racing? Sonoma being a road course. Uh, Chicagoland, yeah, it's a mile and a half, but it's really different than most mile and a halfs that we go to. It's slick, it's bumpy. Chicago, usually at the end of June, is very hot. We see Daytona, its own race. Kentucky, since they repaved it, completely different. And the New Hampshire, a one-mile oval that is completely flat and hard to set your car up for. So, yeah, you kind of know where your team is at. But, Parker, you still have to go to racetracks that you're unsure about, knowing what is coming up and is this aero package going to be completely different than last year. And that's a great point. And I just always think, you know, the best term for this, as you basically said, is the summer grind. Right? This is like when you start to buckle down that you've already gone through the first portion of the season. You've put aside all the optimism that you probably had and realized this is exactly where we stand right now at this point and this is what we need to work on. And so then when you go to all these different tracks, the tough part is you can't work on singular things. It's not like you can say, oh, we just need to make our mile-and-a-half program better because it's all sort of spread out. There's all different tracks. This is really where NASCAR gets unique in going to so many different racetracks that as a race car driver, a team, you have to have almost files, right? You open your, your short track file, you go to your road course file, you go to your mile and a half file, and you've got to be able to seamlessly go between those two throughout all these races. And at the same time, this is really when we start to see the playoffs take shape, right? This summer grind is really where it starts to settle out, and you're going to see, okay, as you get towards the end of the summer grind, where do we stack up in the playoffs? And this is, a, I think, a tough time. You're going to see cars that excel and find themselves in a better position than they thought, and you're going to see cars that underperform and have issues, and it continually compounds on itself, and then they turn around coming towards the fall and say, uh-oh, we got to make the playoffs. we got to win a race. So that's, I mean, this is really where the season takes shape. In that yeah, sense. and it's just, I, I don't know if it's the heat or what it is. Definitely it's, like, it's, it's a It's a weekend-to-weekend basis. It's the same thing that we do every weekend, but those summer months, it just seemed like if you get a little bit off, they just drag on every race. And as you said, if you start missing a beat here or there each weekend, next thing you know, you're going to find yourself that was either right on the edge of the playoffs and in to completely being out and having to go to places like Watkins Glen, Bristol, knowing I have to win or we have zero shot yeah. to make the playoffs. Yeah, and you don't want to be someone who's going to Daytona thinking we got to make up a deficit. 
yeah. or we have to win this race. That's a really tough place to be. It's, so, de it's definitely the heat. It's hot. It's the, it yeah. is hot. <laughs> the first race is hot. It's always the 600, too. It's just well, something about that. And I don't know if we had, we, you were talking about the summer stretch, and you saw all the different racetracks there. I don't know if our folks in Connecticut can throw that back up, because I noticed something. And when you were talking about the summer stretch, is that correct at the bottom in yellow? NBC Sports race coverage begins no way. in like three weeks at Chicagoland? So ultimately, that's where the drivers need to start shining. Because, yeah. And it's only they like, pick it up. what was it last year, like 150 degrees oh my God. I think that Yeah, it was close to the first ever 1,000-day heat or 1,000-degree mark. That's when we yeah. started showing that, yeah. that thermometer in the car. I watching the Xfinity race and watching the drivers get out, and I thought to myself, wow, I, I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and Daytona in July is always so nice and cool. Oh, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a no, but it's, it's just another element that drivers, yeah. teams, crews have to face. And then think about the fact that you're also racing to try to get yourself into the playoffs. Like you said, some of those drivers. I mean, the drivers like Jimmy Johnson. Um, who else was down? Daniel Suarez. Eric Jones. Eric Jones. I mean, these yeah. drivers are sort of on that second half. There we go. That second half of that play. I'm getting everyone in Connecticut's like, what's she going to ask yeah. for next? Holy cow. Next? I, I'd just like to point out on this one other thing there. You have both Roush Fenway racing cars. They're sitting 18th and 19th. Six and eight points out. Mm -hmm. That is very tough. You know, very uh Shaky ground for the Roush Family okay. Racing Organization because they want to make the playoffs so bad. That is everything they aim for as an organization to prove that they're improving to make the playoffs. And now they're tantalizingly close. Yeah. And this next seven races will probably Dangling make Dangling that carrot up yeah. there for them, for sure. It's be tough. Okay, coming up, there are a couple of things that you can nearly count on in Pocono. Your hotel phone will be a rotary dial. That's correct, oh. right? And wildlife will make an appearance on track. What else stands out to us? Did you guys like those two? Those that two? Good, yeah. Almost, yeah. yeah. Okay, plus, coming up, Simon Pagano. He collects red wine and classic cars. Even he was excited about taking home that Corvette that paced the field at Indy. What else does he share with Rutt? Oh, this is going to be good. And summer is almost here. That means outdoor for two wheels. We're going to talk motocross coming up in the Motorsports Hour here on NASCAR America. seconds following his death May 20th. Formula One legend Nicky Lauda was remembered at last weekend's Monaco Grand Prix. Lauda won twice at Monaco during his extraordinary career. And in Indianapolis, USAC star Chris Windham, he had a wild 24 hours. So last Thursday night, this is him flipping multiple times in this crash. This is during the Hoosier 100. Hoosier 100. The next day, he climbed into an Indy Lights car for the Freedom 100 at the oh. Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That's on lap two. He couldn't avoid a spinning David Malukas. He goes into the wall. Wyndham's troubles wouldn't end here. After all of this, guys, he went down the road to Lucas Oil Raceway for the Carb Night Classic and had yet another crash to end his race. His engine wow. blew in that race. Get oh, oil your tires. Get a man. Poor guy. Get an, get it, get an ice pack sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Ibuprofen. Give, give Chris Please. Windham the Hard Luck Award. He earned it last weekend. This weekend, there you see it, NASCAR, IndyCar, IMSA, and Pro Motocross will all be racing. And for IndyCar, it's their lone doubleheader weekend of the season. So entering the month of May, remember Simon Pagano? He was 11th in the NTT IndyCar Series standings. But after winning the Indy Grand Prix and the Indy 500, of course, the latter paying double points, he's now leading the way as the series hits the Motor City. A reminder, by the way, you can catch both IndyCar races from Detroit live on NBC Saturday and Sunday at 3.30 Eastern. So, I mean, the obvious question to start our IndyCar conversation, can Pagano continue the hot streak? There was a time when everybody was asking, what is wrong with Simon Pagano? Yeah. Is he ever going to turn it around? 
hey, he's good now. So, yeah. you know, you win the Indy 500 for mm-hmm. Roger Penske. You're set for a couple of years. But can he go into Detroit this weekend and keep all that momentum going? Possibly. But over the last five or six years since Detroit has started this doubleheader, we see the list here. No Indy 500 winner has won any of these races. And there's a few reasons for it. Because Detroit is just a tough racetrack. You show up to it. It's slick. It's bumpy. It's hard to set your car up for. But as winning the Indianapolis 500, the driver has so many immediate obligations to go through all week. So once he actually gets to Detroit, Simon, I'm sure getting there probably tonight or or early today, he's probably worn out. He's just won the biggest race of his life. He's been going through everything that he has to go through to celebrate that, to do all the PR for it, to just physically and mentally get himself ready to get to Detroit tomorrow and start practicing. And thing with the doubleheader, no practice really. One practice session, you go right into qualifying for the first race. So there's a lot going on. So I think there's a specific reason why an Indianapolis 500 winner hasn't won at Detroit. And you mentioned the physicality of that place. I mean, just the bumps. That is the bumpiest racetrack they go to all year. And you see the drivers when they get out of that first race and they've got bruising and that sort of thing. They've got extra pads and then they get they have to basically recover overnight and go back and do it all over again the next day. So it's an incredibly physical racetrack. I mean, you see these cars bouncing. They get four tires off the ground at times. It's incredible. It's just an insane place in that sense. So I think that all of you just mentioned, you add in the physicality of it, you can't leave the biggest race, all the energy you expelled to win the biggest race in the world, basically, and then be expected to show up to this place and be top of your game. It's just not possible. But, you know, he, he's probably hoping to change that. So we'll see. And to run those, those double races, like you said, yeah. to go through it and then know you have to go through it again. So let's throw out some other names here. Obviously, Simon Pagino won to watch this weekend. Uh, Graham Rahal, you guys were talking about him specifically. I mean, we saw frustration, I mean, from Graham. You see it right here, um, kind of in the closing laps. This is what set up um, that incredible shootout uh, with Pagano and Rossi towards the end was this caution that involved Graham Rahal. Yeah, and here he basically is going to express his displeasure to uh, Sebastian Bourdais about basically not giving him the room down into turn three. He was obviously there. I think that was a little bit on Sebastian Bourdais, just not allowing him any room and trying to act like he wasn't there. But... You know, I think that he also had a good car. He was finding himself most likely going to be on pace for a top five or if he could have gotten a caution. But then what he did here a couple years ago was he was super fast at Detroit, AJ. And that's the thing I think that he's going to fall back on is I've been able to win here before and I was dominant. Yeah, for whatever reason, that race team and that organization have a great setup there at Detroit. Last year, he was really quick. He got caught up in a wreck uh, early in the first race and the second race. Had an okay finish, but... Definitely a place that he can feed on and go back to and know, you know what? Yeah, the Indianapolis 500 didn't end the way we wanted it to. It means so much to him and his family, his dad winning that race before. So to go to Detroit, for them to feed off that energy, know that their cars have been fast. Takuma has won earlier in the year. He can be somebody to watch at both these races. Oh. And looking at that that uh, video of him going over to Borde, Parker would have said he won that fight. <laughs> That is all right. All right, so you have to. You know that. So if you want to know, there's an inside story here. You have to watch uh, watch NASCAR America overtime on our NBC Sports digital platform (laughs) to see what these guys are talking about. Okay, so you talked about uh, Ray Hall, one famous racing son. Let's go to another one, uh, Marco Andretti. So if Graham Ray Hall is sort of pointing towards Detroit because he's run well there, what's Marco Andretti pointing towards? I that 
Indy 500 performance. I don't know what, I mean, I heard that it was handling. I'd seen some quotes out of there that it was handling. I've investigated, I've reached out to some people I know in the IndyCar world just to say like, what happened there? Like what, how can you be that far off in handling when one of your teammates is basically racing for the win and has probably the second fastest car there? Another young driver and Connor Daly, who's a teammate of yours, goes up there and has an excellent run, finishes in the top 10, and you're gonna go multiple laps down because of handling? Like, how are you that far off? So I, I just think that had to be a major blow to the confidence of Marco Andretti, that race team. Uh, and I think that this weekend, you know, you have to feel like he's had good run there many years ago, but you have to feel like, okay, we got to turn something around. It's a completely different environment, street course racing, road course racing. But, I mean, that is a major blow to have that sort of situation where you are that far off at the biggest race of the year. Yeah, it's just shocking that we haven't actually even heard if it was anything else. It was just – I. I Going back and forth, I kept wondering, okay, is he having issues? But he did have a pole last year, and yep. he finished fourth. So he's strong in Detroit, try to feed off that momentum from last year. But, yeah, definitely, you know, for that Andretti family, kind of like the Ray Hall family, but the Andretti family even more extreme that if, if the Indianapolis 500 doesn't go well, it just puts a damper on the rest of the season because they put so much effort into that one race. Well, and again, if you've been living under a rock for the last week, Simon Pagino won the oh, Indy 500. No now, way. he runs. I say that because he runs part-time for Team Penske in IMSA, which is also in this. Detroit as well. Of course, Pagino won't be in that race Saturday on NBCSN, but his IMSA teammates want to continue the momentum they have had Lately, yeah, no question. Penske has some momentum. Um, a lot of things going well for Penske right now. What are they? Uh, yeah, what, just tell about us, everything. Get us, get us ready for sports car racing in Detroit, Parker. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks. Put on my shoes. Sorry, to either discuss. one of you. <laughs> I, just, I actually, I like to just put out there that we get this rundown every week of all the motorsports around the world, mm -hmm. and it's like every weekend it just says, oh, Cup or NASCAR, Penske won that. Uh, the V8 supercars yeah. or supercars, Penske won that. IMSA, Penske won that. IndyCar. It's just always them. But uh, you know, I think. Obviously, winning at Mid-Ohio was big for them in the DPI category. There's an incredibly close championship battle in the in the uh, prototype class right now. I think they're separated by five points amongst the, amongst the top cars. So it's a really close battle, and I think that's just something that is exciting for the series. But when I look back at Long Beach, that's what I like to look at. It's like, okay, what was the last street course? That's where I didn't quite see them in that conversation as much. So okay. I think that's something that they have to look at is why they still get at Mid-Ohio as opposed to a tighter street course. And now you're going to probably the tightest street course compared to Long Beach. Yeah. And last year, they were really fast. They finished second and third. Strategy actually took them out from winning that race. Felipe Nazar won that race and with Eric Kern in the 31 car. So Long Beach, they've had pace. Talking to Elio and, and Juan about their race car it's easy to kind of burn off the rear tires on these street courses so that's something they fight but i just feel like the momentum that they've had from mid-ohio going into detroit big event for roger penske that puts on this race and, and everything that goes around belle isles so uh gonna be a strong weekend for them and in the gtd class they didn't go to long beach so their first street course event Catherine Lake, whatever <laughs> whatever about this place that she has just really come to love and enjoy She's won this race the last two years, Meyer Shank Racing. She won with Andy Lally in, in 17 and then won with her teammate, Mario Fombacher, in 18. So both those Acros are really fast, Meyer Shank Racing in general, and, and Catherine Lake loves that racetrack. So this weekend she's teamed up with Christina Nielsen, and those two girls might be the ones to watch. Yeah, Nielsen. they've had this one circled on their calendars oh, yeah. for a while. Hey, it's time for Thursday Trivia. Who's ready? Taking it back to NASCAR. Can you name... The don't name it yet if you know it. Who, can you name the driver who made his Cup Series debut on this day 20 years ago at the Coca-Cola 600? 
guys have guesses? Don't say them uh, yet. We're going to let the viewers I have a guess. Kind of I have a guess. simmer on this. You're going to have to stay tuned for the answer. That's a Thursday teaser. It's not even happy hour yet. Don't you usually do trivia? Like, at the, yeah. I, I mean, five. Oh, it's five. So we can. That's my problem. That's okay. I'm not drinking. <laughs> We're all confused. Up next, it's back to Pocono, where Joey Logano says one element of the race could make or break a driver's outcome. Do you know what he's talking about? Plus, a look at the top five finishes from this racetrack. Coming up. Welcome back. On this day in motorsports history, 20 years ago, Tony Stewart made his first attempt at the Indy 500 Coke 600 double. Now at Indy, trouble in the pits caused Stewart to fall several laps down, but he still finished a respectable ninth. He then made his way to Charlotte to run the 600 for Joe Gibbs Racing. Fatigue, hunger, and dehydration took its toll during the race, but Stewart toughed it out and finished fourth. That's amazing. I know. Our Thursday block. trivia question is based on the 1999 Coca-Cola 600, along with Tony Stewart on double duty, featured the NASCAR Cup Series debut of who? Matt Kenseth. Am I close? You are in the right year. They were, I believe, rookies this oh, year. Ding, ding, ding. Wait, he's a Coke 600? Man. It was a big day for the Earnhardt family. Dale Earnhardt Jr. finished 16th. Uh, there's, yeah, there's the Intimidator and Dale Jr. That hair. AJ, you should go that cut. <laughs> you had that cut, didn't you? Did you have that Mine cut? Mine was more of a flat top. It was close, though. With the highlights and all. <laughs> all right, now is the moment Parker and AJ have been waiting for. Yes. The top five finishes at Pocono. Dale Jr. is part of number five. This was from June 2014. What do you guys remember now, about now, this? Now, Parker, what this, do you think about this move This here? is when Brad Kozlowski gifted a win to Dale Hart Jr. for all the years he supported in the XV Series <laughs> because I remember this well. I think that engine would have lasted the two or so laps that he had that on the front end there, that piece of debris that he tried to get off from Danica. So, bad move. Number four, June 2012, Slice Brad. I say that because Joey Logano got into the back of the man who gave him that nickname, Mark Martin. Logano drove away his second career win. Mark Martin loves rap. Joey Logano said, get out the way. He's <laughs> <laughs> been waiting all day. No way. You. All right, that's our highlight for today. We can all go home. Number three, August 2015. This is where, I mean, everyone runs out of fuel. That's why we remember it, right? Right. That's yes. Everyone runs out of fuel. Uh, Matt Kenseth. There's Got your done. Matt Kenseth answer. Yeah. You go. He let me down. Number two, July 1986. I remember this race fondly. All right, go ahead. What do you remember? Were you even alive? Yeah, you uh, were. Was. Five yeah, years Tim old. Richmond rolling the outside, trying to get the drive off the corner. Going to be a close battle off the line. Ricky Rudd, Jeff Bodine, Tim Richmond wins. Then does a dance in victory lane. Wow. You do remember. You have a great memory. 1986. That's impressive. All right, Legend. number one. This is another last turn, last lap ending. Oh, yeah. This is the uh, Jerry Mayfield mm -hmm. on Dale Earnhardt. And then he would later say in Victor Lane, I was just trying to rattle his cage a little bit, which is obviously a reference to one of Dale Earnhardt's famous lines. Randy tells him he's number one. <laughs> Dale, Dale Sr. can almost punch Jeremy Mayfield on the window back in those days. Again, check out NASCAR America Overtime on NBC Sports Digital Platform for more on that topic. Here are the latest odds to win this weekend in Pocono. Kyle Busch is the favorite at 3-1, to one, followed by Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, and last June's winner at Pocono, Martin Truex Jr. 2012 Pocono winner Joey Logano is 10-1, to one, and he is already doing his Pocono homework. I expect restarts to be nuts. 
you know, the amount of time, it's always nuts as it is because you have so long from the start finish line to turn one. When now you, you kind of have more time, you know, it's the same distance, but you're going slower. So you have more time for all those moves to be played out uh, as you get into turn one, making the right decisions about what uh, is best for at the end of the straightaway, not necessarily off of the corner is going to be um, what we have to think about. And it's going to evolve throughout the race. If you have a little mistake off of turn three or off of turn one, <laughs> they're going to be passing you like you're sitting still and you, you're just going to be, you know, your hands are going to be tight. There's nothing you can do. Okay, so explain this to fans because every week we talk, I mean, we know restarts are crazy. Why specifically this weekend, this package, this racetrack? Well, as Joey Logano stated there, the straightaways are so long. So coming down that front straightaway, getting the restart, it being so long and not having as much horsepower now, two things are going to happen. Bump drafting is going to be so critical. Yep. Trying to get a friend behind you. And what was always difficult being on the inside lane at Pocono on the restart is on the outside lane, you're kind of stuck against the wall. Until it kind of opens up getting in turn one, you're just following the guy in front of you. Well, on the inside, it's always about, okay, do I push the guy in front of me and does that help us more or do I have to just dive out and try to make the inside pass getting into turn one? And that's what's going to be such a challenge on these restarts is do guys start pushing each other? Do they think it's a better benefit to push? Because say the guy in front of them pulls out. Well, a car three, four back in line, if they start getting a big run, they can get out there and we see how wide that straightaway is. We can see eight wide getting into turn one. And the biggest thing about this package, eight wide is momentum. Yep. Because not having any horsepower, you come off the corner and have to check up a little bit. You're just going to struggle so far down the straightaway to get that momentum back. So that's the thing that we're really going to be paying attention to is, okay, can I get the move done getting in the corner? And if I can't and I'm side-by-side, side, how bad is that going to hurt? And if they are side-by-side, side, you just stay pinned in the throttle. And, <laughs> and is that up? when we see guys start bouncing off each other and wrecks happen? So I agree that that front stretch to turn one will be that crazy how many wide, I don't know yet. But the other part that's interesting to me is that I think the restart will last longer, right? Because when you come out of one, most likely turn two is going to be flat out by yourself and pretty much just a tiny lift or tap the brake when you're in a pack. Therefore, as you come off that corner towards turn three, you're going to stay more condensed. You're going to stay more on top of each other. So the, the restart could last all the way back to turn three or even again onto the straightaway again in terms of how packed up the cars are. You know, when we had it before, after you got through the craziness of turn one, maybe turn two, it sort of settled itself by turn three. I think this restart could last a whole lap in a sense of that you are, if you haven't picked the right lane, you're going to pay for it for a whole lap. And if you do get the right lane, you're going to make huge advances. As Logano said there, the crazy part will be if you get a bad run off of turn three, I mean, if they don't, if someone doesn't go with you, you are literally going to be paying. You could lose five positions probably because it'll just be a bump draft fest. So this will be a very, very interesting race solely off of those restarts and how they conduct the racing, how much you can bump draft, all that. It's just going to be crazy to watch. All right. We know a lot of you watching, um, by the way, have been in the path of some wild weather this past week. According to the National Weather Service, a new record set for consecutive days with tornado sightings. The previous record dated back to 1980. That's before Parker was born. Yep. Wow. So that was was that before you were born? It was before I was born. What? Yes. Oh my goodness, both of you. Okay, I've got. To, I've got. To, I knew it was before he was born. Come on, you guys. Here's a silver lining to all of these weather woes. Pocono has a worry-free weather guarantee. So if the race gets moved due to weather, fans who purchase tickets directly from Pocono Raceway in advance 
they can't make that new date, those fans get their money back. It's something like the track that. implemented a couple awesome. of years ago, and they're continuing it this year. That's great. So. Good on them for doing that and keeping it up. That's what we need. That's the sort of thing that gives you the confidence about those tickets at a place that's had a bit of weather I know. interruption. I know. they've had times. some bad luck. A couple of times. <laughs> yeah. A raindrop or two at Pocono. <laughs> we hope not this weekend. Okay, coming up, it's our first installment of Say What, where Martin Truex Jr. answers one of NASCAR's oldest questions. Plus, AJ's going to break down motocross. Stupidity and a little bit of sport all together. A wonderful line. mix of all of those things. Yesterday I got to, to do a, a few laps with Mario Andretti, and we were doing somewhere in the 190s. It's a bloody rocket ship. I had the same experience with Mario. I did not like the fact that I didn't have a steering wheel in my hand during that. That's, That's what he says. Let's do it. The 43 pit crew has waved for a number <laughs> of years at the entire field. Do you notice it? Do you wave back? Does it make you smile? They wave at everybody, and they get like this really goofy, like Forrest Gump wave going on, <laughs> and it's kind of I was just like, what are these guys doing here? I don't know, call me a jerk, but I'm not really wishing anyone luck at that point. It's all about going to win. I feel awesome. Uh, I have a little bit of a headache, and I had to go to the bathroom, obviously. That's where I went. I haven't peed since 5 o'clock. So, um, yeah, you're welcome. That's the number one question we get asked by the fans. What do you do if you have to go to the bathroom in the car? So, I mean, I'm just letting all the NASCAR fans out there know that I held it. Yeah, I held it for six hours and 50 minutes. See, see if anybody else here can do that. It was like, and a mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> By the way, we haven't peed since 5 o'clock also, just in case you're keeping track. But that is probably the, I mean, I'm not going to ask you. I'm just saying, like, that's a question you guys get as drivers a lot. All the time. I know. Like, like, <laughs> like I, I, that, that, let's just say all the time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just go with that. It's a long road. It's like a long road trip. Uh, speaking of Martin Truex Jr., so we won't even go. We're just going to go right past it. He is one of our nominees for this week's Motorsports Star of the Week poll. You can vote by going to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote or following us on Twitter at Motorsports on NBC. Along with Truex, you can vote for you. just saw Simon Pagano, the Indy 500 winner. Lewis Hamilton took the checkered flag in the Monaco Grand Prix. And last week's Motocross winner, Eli Tomac. Speaking of Eli Tomac, he comes home to Colorado this weekend with a four-point lead in the 450 class over Ken Roxon. Tomac already has one big home win this year, taking April's Supercross event at Broncos Stadium in Denver. So yeah, he loves to play to the hometown fans. Is that going to be his biggest advantage this weekend? Is this his race to lose because they're in where they're at? Well, that and he's just the fastest guy right now for sure. It was really awesome for Ken Roxon to win the first round at Hangtown after two years of devastating injuries to finally get back and, and get a win and, and an overall victory. He'd won a moto before, but he hadn't had an overall victory. So Ken Roxon be able to do that. The first race was big for him, but Eli Tomac as a whole in the 450 class so far has just had so much speed. And for the viewers, the difference between Supercross and, and outdoors Besides it just being outside and not in the stadium, the tracks are more flowing. They're longer. You're carrying way more speed through the corners. Some of the jumps are, are high, but not quite as high. But it's all about flowing on your bike, just carrying a ton of entry speed. And that's what Eli Tomac really can do is challenge that, especially as the track gets rutted up, gets deep holes in it. Tomac can just really challenge it more than, than the other riders. And so far in the first four motos, the first two events, He's showing the outright speed over everybody else. So viewers watching, if, if you have sort of taken them along for the ride and, and, and through Supercross and now they're kind of coming on board for, for motocross, and you're like, wait a minute, I saw Eli Tomac in the indoor portion and I mean, he had all that speed, but he was sort of inconsistent. 
why is he now it's outdoor just sort of plays to his strengths it really does just play to his strengths it, it's just you know supercross there, there's so many opportunities to make mistakes and outdoor yes there is as well but a tight racetrack if you get a bad start it's hard to get your way back up through the field you start pressing the races are shorter in an outdoor event it's 30 minutes plus two laps. So ultimately, the race is 35 minutes. In a Supercross event, it's usually only 15 to 20 minutes long. So it's just, it suits his style. It's the way he's always been. Going this weekend to a home state race for him in Colorado, it's where he trains, it's where he lives. Just another advantage for him. And as he, as you said, Krista, at Bronco Stadium and Supercross, he dominated that event. So unless another rider can step up like a Ken, Ken Roxon, Marvin yeah. Luskan, uh, Jason Anderson is back. It's going to be tough to catch him. Okay, let's talk the 250 class. We remember um, Adam Cianciarillo and the agonizing way that he lost the West title in Supercross. Afterwards, he said, I'm going to put the boots on and go to work. Now he's opened the motocross season with back-to-back -back wins. So let's talk a little bit about, is he he's sort of willing himself, it seems like, at least from that quote to his results. I wouldn't say willing himself. It's more just how quickly can you forget to go lose the championship like he did, and, and he lost that championship with two minutes to go in the main event in Vegas, was in a spot to clinch the championship, to make a dream come true and win a Supercross championship, and made a, an error that he'll relive the rest of his life. But the way you fix that is you go into the outdoor season and you go win the first two events. He's had a 2-1 finish and a 3-1 finish, which has gotten him the overall in both races. And... The 250 class, it's not split up. It's not East versus West. It's everybody together for a whole season. So he's showing right now he's got the speed. Uh, young guy, Justin Cooper, that finished second in the East title is right there. He's won some motos. Uh, Dylan Ferrandis, which beat Adam C. and Cirillo in the championship. He's been quick, but so far, Adam C. and Cirillo has put that championship mistake behind him in Supercross and went out in motocross so far. And I wouldn't say dominated, but been the quickest guy and hasn't made any mistakes. So if you're wanting to root for him or to compare it to other sports, I mean, a, a kicker missing a field goal to win the game, J.R. Hildebrand, the yeah. closing turn of the Indy 500, sort of puts that into perspective of what Adam Cianciarillo, how he lost and how he's sort of on his comeback. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's, I mean, it's, you can relate it to every mm -hmm. sport, the, the miss shot in basketball, yeah. it, but just the way it happened, and that's and that's what stood out to me was watching Vegas with two minutes to go. He didn't have to do anything. He wasn't getting pressured, and he just kind of hit a rut on the backside of a jump, and it kicked the rear end out. He made a mistake and crashed, and as I said, you don't ever forget about it, but the best way is you just go out there and go win yeah. some races and put it behind you. All right, coming up, Norman Paginot has been on a whirlwind tour this week. Yes, I said Norman. That's Simon's dog from Indy to New York City. Norman has been the top dog after his owner, Simon, won the Indy 500. When we come back, it's Simon who sits in the hot seat. I'm going to ask you 38.5 seconds worth of questions. What's the first car you ever drove? A Peugeot 205 GTI. I wonder if it's still I running. I still own it. You do not. It's in pristine condition. That's amazing. Yes, oh, that's awesome. Previously in the Stanley Cup final. Came back along to Gunnarsson once more. They've got Sunquist set up at the opposite circle. Across to Gunnarsson, the shot, he scores! The Blues win it in overtime and have evened the series. Yeah, last night, Carl Gunnarsson's goal in overtime gave the St. Louis Blues their first ever win. 
in a Stanley Cup final. That ties the series at a game apiece. The final moves to St. Louis for Game 3. That crowd is going to be wild. Catch it right here on NBCSN Saturday night at 6 Eastern. And the Blues have a fan in our new Indy 500 champion, Simon Pagano, who got to visit St. Louis during the lead-up to the greatest spectacle in racing. He also joined our own Rutledge Wood for a game we call Rapid Fire. I'm going to ask you 38.5 seconds worth of questions. Simon, are you ready? Let's do it. Start the clock. Here we go. Taco Tuesday or Fish Stick Friday? Taco Tuesday. What's your go-to dance move? That's so good, and he did it. What's the first car you ever drove? A Peugeot 205 GTI. I wonder if it's still I running. I still own it. You do not. It's in pristine condition. That's amazing. Yes. Apple or banana? Ah, uh, neither. Neither. Really? Really? What do you go for? Uh, avocado. Avocado. Yeah. Okay. It's my go-to. You're gonna be stuck on a desert island. You can bring one thing with you. What would you bring? Well, a bottle of wine wouldn't last me long, so. I guess, yeah, I could. The bottle of wine, because I could drink it, and then I could break it, and then I could feed animals to eat them. Oh, yeah. That's a multi-purpose idea. Yeah. That first hour, time of your life. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like you're at the beach. Yeah, you better have a good time. And time's up. Nicely done. Yeah? You did good on that. You <laughs> did good. Couple of things. I mean, you could, or you could drink the wine, put a message in the bottle, and send it out, but instead you're going to break it and Skin animals? Yeah. Is that? That seems low percentage. Okay. I'm going with the skin animals. I thought animals. that was very, you know, well thought out for 38.5 seconds to have that kind of, you know, that's detail. why it shows why he's the Indy 500 detail. champion yes. now. Has that level of detail in his thinking. That is, is true. Is your go-to dance move the jabao? The jabao. The jabao. <laughs> so, I'm, just, I'm just imagining Simon celebrating in the club doing one of his dance moves and knocking somebody out as just walking by. Like, yeah. That's yeah, fantastic. No, that's dangerous. That's All dangerous. Right, good stuff. That's a dangerous dance. I've seen you dance. It's just as dangerous. He has his Come, own thing. Coming up, it is time to find out who to start and who to sit for this week's fantasy picks plus Roto World's interesting choice to red flag. We'll be back after this. Chapel. Another big weekend of racing awaits. So we have NASCAR at Pocono, Detroit hosting the IndyCar doubleheader on NBC, plus IMSA here on NBCSN, and over on NBC Sports Gold, round three of the Pro Motocross season from Colorado. Big weekend indeed. All right, do you guys have a choice for Global Motorsports Star of the Week? Uh, I do. I do. I'm, I'm going Simon. One? Okay. Nice. You have to go Simon Pagenaud. Come because on. it's the Indy 500? Come on. I'm going to Simon Pagano not only for the Indy 500, but also the whole month of May and knowing that he entered this month basically in a contract situation, mm. discussion, under a lot of pressure. The numbers and he goes are, out and performs. That the numbers awesome. are still fluctuating, but it looks like Simon yeah, has a pretty good lead. Are no we locking this down? Final result? Lock it down. Yeah, lock just it down. Lock there that it is. thing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah Simon Pagano, our well global motorsports star of the week. All right, so now let's talk fantasy racing. We're going to switch back over to Pocono. By the way, don't forget you can sign up for Fantasy Live at NASCAR.com. You can still join the NBC Sports NASCAR America League. And you can still beat AJ and I, probably. That's, yeah, yes, you can. Now, before we get your I may, I may <laughs> sign up again because and I don't TV like the way it's going. With so a I fake may, name? Yeah, like a just fake do it again. You probably still have a chance. All right, before we get your picks, let's check out this week's fantasy cheat sheet. If you need help, with your fantasy roster for Pocono, check out Dan Beaver's columns at rotoworld.com slash NASCAR. Dan has Chris Busher as his value pick. I like that. I do Brad like Kozlowski. that. Chris. I like that, Chris Busher. I almost picked him as my. All right, hold on. Brad's his garage pick. And last week's Coke 600, he had Joey Logano as his red flag, but Joey finished second. But Joey's had poor results lately at Pocono, so Dan says, I'm doing it again. I'm going to make him the red right, flag. Dan Beaver made me nervous. Again this Normally week. Normally, I agree with all this stuff, but Parker, now I'm nervous. What are your pick, Parker? Well, this is why I'm nervous. So you're going to see pretty. Uh, well, got I got Joey. Right, so I got Joey Logano there. I got Ryan Blaney. I got Chase Elliott. I got Kurt Busch. Hamlin, Eric Jones. Now, you're going to see this and you're going to be like, okay, where's Kyle Busch? Where's Kevin Harvick? Where's Martin Truex Jr.? Uh, I've run into this situation where I've used them too much. Oh, uh, you're done. So I only have like two uses on Kyle Busch. Okay. I think three of Martin Truex. So I got to save them. And I thought, you know, with the crazy restarts and some drivers, I felt like I could find in there that I hadn't used much that could have good runs. So that's who I picked and I went with. The only one's missing is the 88. I would have picked him too. Okay. So I lied. I actually did start another team. So I got free picks again. So here we go. You already did. I got Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, that 88 pick that stole from me because I know what I'm talking about, Alex Bowman. The big thing here I look at, three, four drivers, horsepower. And I like those Roush Yates motors, Doug Yates. They built some horsepower. So those are my picks. Austin Dillon, sneaky good at Pocono as well. Yeah, tell me why. So why is he your garage drive? Based on... Past results? Past results. Those cars have been fast, especially when it comes to qualifying, going down the straightaway. I think that they can have a kind of a breakout race there, and, and Austin Dillon has always loved Pocono. That's a good pick. I like that one. Okay, you Maybe it was a good pick, too. He basically took everyone you want to take, yeah, but you no, no longer can take. Yeah, you had all the guys I wanted, plus <laughs> one of the guys I didn't choose that I really wanted. And the 88, also because I think, you know, you look some of those highlights from last year, he had some good runs, but then two... That team just seems such on an upswing in terms of so close to getting that first victory. There's a lot of confidence there. I spoke to him before the 600. He's definitely on a high right now. So I think that was a good pick. Yeah, I'm jealous. And especially for him. I mean, six weeks ago, we talked about him not even being in the playoffs, and he's like 65 to the good now. So, so you guys talked to crazy restarts. There's no turn four. You've got to be good off turn three. If you don't have turn three, how much trouble are these guys in? I mean, well, you've got to have something, right? If you don't find turn three, you're probably in really big trouble. So, I mean, because, you'll find it. Yeah, I mean, okay, what no. if you don't have horsepower for that long straightaway? <laughs> yes, you definitely need horsepower. You need to get a good run because it will be crazy drafting down the front. Yeah. Straightaway. Oh, so. your guy, so, Austin Dillon. He said hey, it's like Christy, running a race just, without you, a shoe. you got to be good everywhere. Yeah. But you know what? Before we go, happy birthday tomorrow. Enjoy so, that. Well, I thought we could slide right oh, out without really? that. Yeah. 29th? 29th. 29th again, birthday. Because I was not born after 1980. Thanks for watching the Motorsports Hour. We will see you again on Monday. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.